afternoon, buenos dias, buenas tardes. Welcome to the Excuse Me podcast, the Vicky Guerrero Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate everyone's support and keeping us on the air for almost a year now. I want to remind everyone to please go to your favorite podcast and download, subscribe, like, comment. Give me some love, everyone, because I feel it each and every week. And I want to express how much I am loving this gig. I love researching my guests. I love learning about their personal stories, their struggles, their triumphs. And I'm just so grateful that we can share it with all of you. So thank you, everyone. Enjoy this podcast. And excuse me! Welcome to the Excuse Me podcast. Today, I have one of my dear friends who I've been trying for weeks and weeks and weeks to get him on my show. Even his wife responded the same day that I, I text her. So that should give you a little bit of insight of who is on their shit and who has them on their organizational skills. That's a little dig at you. Everyone, please welcome Tyrus, my friend. How are you? I'm tremendous, and I just I would just like to say that uh, I am terrible at checking my messages. My my wife usually checks them for me, so I haven't. Uh, when I saw it, I was like, "Cause I'm be honest with you, when she first said that she was going to be on your show, um, I tried to play it off like, "Oh yeah, that's cool," um, and then I said, "Did she mention me at all?" You know, and then. Inger was like, yeah, briefly. And I, I'll be honest, I was kind of like, for real? Like, yeah, that, that, was her, that was her hour of spotlight. Oh, shit. Yes, it was. Yes, so it we're was. Talking to, we're talking uh, about Tyrus and his wife, Ingrid Rink, who is founder of Sensible Meals. And I, by the way, I love the food and I love the program. And, you know, um, it's such a great concept. But, you know, I, I've been trying, trying to contact you first, but I got a hold of Ingrid. And, um, yeah, maybe I should go through her whenever I want to get something through to you. <laughs> I, you know what? I have become, especially with uh, COVID stuff, I have become so anti-technology uh, that I just, I, I remember there was a time in my life where I could not, it seemed like I was always on social media, always checking stuff. And then I just, I decided, like, I deleted my Facebook page. I literally got it whittled down to two. I have a Twitter and an Instagram. And I can go days without checking them. And I'm like, you know what? That's better. Like, I feel yeah. better. Well, I think, I, th I think during COVID, we kind of figure out what our needs and wants are and what's important to us. And social media, I mean, that takes a lot out of me. If, I, if I'm there for an hour, I'm emotionally and just mentally exhausted from listening to everyone's bullcrap. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's, it's just, it got to be the point where I was like, do I really need to respond? You know what right. I'm saying? Like, no, I don't like, I don't know this person. And I, by the sounds of their, their, their whining, I don't really need to know them. So I just, <laughs> it, I kind of kicked myself off it. And yeah. um, that's the best excuse I can come up with right now. But I, I'm so glad that you're, uh, chose me to be on your show because uh you i i a, a lot of highlights in my wrestling career are <laughs> around you um i always whenever i looked on that sheet and saw that i was working against you i was always <laughs> like i gotta bring my a game or she's gonna eat us alive if she's not gonna eat us on the mic and i don't know how many times i told you backstage you were the most overheal in the business oh. i don't care I don't care who it is. When you heard, excuse me, <laughs> the place went nuts. And I'll never forget probably the, the I would say the highlight of my career was me and Dolph uh, working the pay-per-view, our blow-off match. And when I was out there, and I was pretty popular at the time in the crowd, but when that, you heard, excuse me, I turned and, and looked at Naomi and I said, she's over. Like it's not, e it wasn't even a boo. It was just like, yes, you know? And well, when the I, fan I loves. Always, I was always honored to be out there with you. And I always try oh. to give 110%. And of course me and Dolph had that moment where the, we we're getting ready to go home and the boss said six more minutes and Dolph <laughs> said, Hey, let me, 
don't let me suplex you, brother. And I'm like, nope, are you sure? You know, we told that joke. Doesn't matter how far apart we are. But um, it was you were always such a great leader in the back. You led by example. Uh, oh. You told it like it was. You, I get goosebumps thinking about uh, how we, it didn't matter what was going on with all the pressure that you had to deal with. You always took time out to talk to everybody and share. You were always you were always a role model. And I just want to oh. say thank you so much because I don't think I could have got through a lot of stuff there if I wasn't able to just go out and entertain and have fun and uh, really, really hone my skills uh, with you out there. So I just you mean the world to me. And thank you so much uh, for all that you've given to the wrestling business. Oh, Tyrus. I mean, I, I love you to pieces. And, you know, you talk about how, you know, the fans used to hate me, but when I'm against you and the Funkadactyls and they love you guys so much because you guys just brought your A-game with the dance moves and the comedy you guys had was so much fun to work with. But you put me against y'all and I'm like, oh, shit, man, they're going to hate me tonight. <laughs> no, they, You know what? I think it was they, you, you morphed. Like, people... I as see, I was a fan first, and I can remember going to Yankee Doodles uh, Sports Bar in California after working all night to watch the pay-per-view. And to this day, the greatest feud uh, was the ladder match between the late Eddie Guerrero and, huh. and Rey Mysterio. And there's the scene when you have the ladder and he's shaking, no, 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 and you push <laughs> it over the ladder. The entire place went nuts. And at that point, you were this meek, quiet wife just trying to keep her family together. And you metamorphed from that to this vicious woman that everybody wanted to be yelled at by. You know? I mean, it just... it is If you look at the progression of a character, the greatness of a character... I mean, it's a Hall of Fame career like legitimate you're a mm -hmm. hall of famer i know it's only a matter of time so um and i think you changed the diva division forever because oh thank you it was about yo she you didn't you weren't a good woman wrestler you were <laughs> no, a great I don't wrestle i don't wrestle no. it's the promo and the match there's no difference i would take you over paul Heyman any day <laughs> well you know for my <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, finish. <laughs> uh, recently, um, him and I, we, we speak every once in a while because he's very been very supportive of my career. And uh, Roman Reigns dropped enough said after a pay-per-view and it got back to me fairly quickly from like fans and stuff. I, and I, I was like, say what? And so I wrote, Paul, of course, you know, this means war. Um, and uh, so we kind of been going, you know, back and forth and stuff. So. And I literally was like, yeah, I'll just get, I'll get, so I'll get Vicky and <laughs> show up. And it'll be I'll game fight on. for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I would take you on the mic over him any day. Oh my gosh. Well, Paul's pretty incredible, but for my yeah. fans who are, are listening all the new followers, um, Tyrus and I have a long history of him being with uh, the Funkadactyls, which was Naomi and Cameron. They were a huge dance group in the WWE um, back in the early 2000s. And gosh, almost all the 2000s. And of yeah. course, I was with me and whatever guy I was I was uh, accommodating it was for. Dolph and, and uh, Swagger. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I went through the whole roster. <laughs> but yeah, during that time, it was Dolph and, and uh, Swagger. And we always had dance-offs. I mean, I think it was like, I, and I, I know that it's because, you know, Vince would just say, damn it, Guerrero, this is good shit. We're going to do another one, you know? And I was just yep. like, all right. But they were so much fun because people love to see me lose. And let me tell you, I tried my best. I even had to call my daughters a few times at home and go, all right, show me two moves that I can do, that I can wow this crowd because I'm going to probably lose anyway. And you guys just tore it up in the ring. I mean, you had the moves, Tyrus. I'm going to be honest with you. I think you threw them because <laughs> um, Naomi had the moves. I was paranoid every night I went out there because I – did, even when I was in the clubs bouncing, I never danced. I bobbed my head sometimes, but I was always stoic. I just don't like to dance. And 
Um, I can't believe that. There's no way. I, I worked really that. hard at that scene, but I'm telling you, every time I was in that curtain, I would literally, as I go out, I'd be like, here goes nothing. Like, I'd be like, here, I, you know? And um, I think that me and um, uh, Aaron, uh, what the hell? Cameron. Cameron. I always want to say real name. And Naomi Cameron were so good that peop no one noticed that I only had three moves. You know, so, uh, but it was, you know, it, it was what it was. It was fun. And uh, it was we a did, lot of fun. There, but um, Fuse with You were the biggest payoff, especially when I was with Santino. Um, oh, my gosh. I mean, we just, it was just so much going on in there. And there was so much for the fans, but um, and the really. And the kids loved y'all. You know, we, we really had a really had a fun. And Santino and I are still close to this day. So uh, yeah. it's kind of nice. Whenever we do reminisce, it's always the same thing. Like, you know, uh, we've both been slapped by you. So, you know, try to figure out who's who's stiffer, you or, or Christian. But uh, Christian. I, mean, I even got slapped by Santino's sister, Santina. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a pretty know, amazing career. But, you know, Tyrus, the kids even loved you. I remember going overseas and even in all the house shows, they'd bring the kids into the ring and the kids just, their eyes just loved the idea of standing next to you and doing those Funkasaurus moves and, and the girls, you know, dancing with them. You guys would just, the kid uh, following was so incredible. And even when you guys came out, you could look in the crowd and you see everyone just start doing the dinosaur moves and it was a big following. You know, it's funny because those kids are grown up now and <laughs> across the airport. And um, I'll see a grown man going, hey, man, you remember this? And I was like, oh, God, you know, I'm like, yeah, but you're a grown ass man, bro. He's like, well, I was, you know, 10 then. And I'm like, wow, time has really gone by to where the little guys who got in the ring are now grown. I actually ran into somebody who was in the ring uh, with us. And he was talking about like he to this day, that's the video that they most watch at the house and stuff like he they still i still get people who stop me for the funk <laughs> stores and i just and i'm like that i guess that means something so um it was like i don't i think when i was going through it because i trained under arn anderson and i was this vicious heel and coming off with alberto and you know i had this big plan of being a heel but then i started cracking jokes in the locker room and yeah, the bar yeah. heard it this guy's funny Let's make him dance. I still don't know how joking and dancing are connected, but you know, whatever. But uh, I, I think I'd be, I'd, I think I'd be remembered for that character than I ever would have been remembered for being just another heel with some moves. So uh, I look at, I look at it for what it was, and I think it was a good thing. Yeah, it, it, it's it, you are right. I can't believe how much time has gone by to to everything we've done together in the ring and all the, the tours and the house shows and everything to know that, to look back, it's like, I wish I would have grasped it a little bit more and, yeah. and enjoyed it because now I'm thinking, damn, I could have done this. I could have done that. And it, it was like, a, it was like going by so fast. And I think because we were in the grind of it, I mean, because you literally came home to pay bills, you know, if I that. mean, if that, you know, <laughs> And we didn't have were, online banking back then. <laughs> no. And you were, and you slept on the buses. You didn't go anywhere. You know, you, because they've like, been all over the world. What have you seen? I've seen a lot of inside of hotel rooms and yeah. a lot of planes, you know, because you're just, if you can get an extra two hours sleep, you're going to take it before you go tour the Eiffel Tower. You know, we plan, we have little outings every once in a while, you know, but for the most part, your travel schedule is so sick that you don't, you know, and then when it's over, you kind of look back and go, oh man, that was great. Or, you know, oh man, that was great. You know, so that's, it's kind of weird now because I'm at a point where uh, father time's ticking and I took some time off from being in the ring because of my other career. And uh, now it's like, do I go one more year and just have some fun and just, you know, go out the way I want to? Because, you know, you always want to, as you want to go out in your shield, you know, you want to build somebody up, pass it on and retire. And so, uh, I planned on doing that in TNA, but then uh, we had all kinds of craziness. And then I just kind of said, I'm going to take a break. Uh, but I didn't anticipate my other job. Blowing <laughs> Which up I'm, I'm a big fan of your other job. 
which is still crazy. I still, I still go, huh? You yeah. want? Okay. Uh, sure. Yeah. That's really incredible because just to fill in that my fans, uh, of course, you're an actor because you were featured in Glow, which I loved your character. And I'm sad that it's canceled because. It's canceled, yeah. I mean, do you think that maybe like from it canceling, it might go into a movie to, because the fans, me as a fan, want to see that ending, you know, I want to see that finish, you know. So is there any talk about, you know, maybe well, having a movie? What What sucked for me was, is that my character actually was a hit. And. It was. Uh, I was coming back for season two and probably would have been season three. Me and Carlito had a blast. <laughs> Y'all were and great. We snuck, and we snuck things in there. Like I got him to eat his apple while I ate Pringles and the director didn't know. And then he was like, <laughs> like no, just, no, eat the apple. I was like, hey, can you eat an apple? And I'll be the one eating Pringles. And like, so he's flipping doing his apple. So of course for Carlito fans, they're popping because that's our, like that's the Easter egg is that he's eating the apple yeah. and I'm eating Pringles. And then uh, I got, a big uh, lead role in this action film that was filming in Canada with um, Tom Cruise's ex-wife. Um, oh, Nicole Kidman? No, no. Uh, the other one from Batman. Oh, the other one. Oh. Uh, um, she was in the first Batman. I can't remember. Anyways. Um, Kate Hudson. Was, yeah, Kate Hudson. And it was like her big first action movie. And my agent was trying to balance the two. And I was like, I really don't want to miss Glow. It's only a week of filming. So can we just do Glow and worry about the action film afterwards and push back around some dates? And then it just ended up being where the action film wouldn't budge on anything. And he's like, this is, you know, you got to make a tough choice. So they kind of made the choice for me. And then we started to go film the action film and it runs out of funding. So oh you're like, oh man. So, and then we call back and they're like, well, we, we kind of changed the script and see if we can work something out. And then ultimately they weren't able to do it. And I ended up doing, I think it was The Purge or something like that. But uh, I was always kind of- Oh, your life sucks right now, Tyrus. You have great problems in life. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'm just saying though, but that because I like doing that so much and a character kept getting expanded because be cracking jokes the whole time. And so the director liked that. So they would add stuff and I kind of played like a dummy. So um, <laughs> like Star Wars stuff, but um, it was a great, I, I thought it was great. And I was really, you know, who I thought did an, just an amazing job was Kong. I thought she I just, brought, I, she brought it. I thought that she had, had uh, shut up a lot of critics. Cause I remember they were like, oh yeah, she can work, but she can't talk. And then she comes off and plays this amazing character. And uh, I'm just like, yeah, you thought she couldn't talk, huh? Like, look at her, look at her now. Like, yeah. she's a budding actress. And I'm really excited to see, you know, how, how Kong does going forward with different projects and stuff like that. But it's yeah. fun how talented us wrestlers are. You know, it, it, you know when I, I, I was watching and I saw, you know, you and Carlito and I was like, I kind of did a double take. I'm like, oh my God, I know them, I know them. <laughs> like, it <Yeah>. was great. <laughs> a lot of people were like that, you know, they, they don't realize how much work it is to, to be a wrestler. You have to be an actor. You have to be, be able to be, a, you have to give speeches you, and listen, there's no rehearsal. You know what I'm saying? It, there's yeah. people don't realize that that was the hardest adjustment for me in doing movies and stuff was all the retakes. Cause I do it and be like, all right, I'll be in my trailer. Like, Oh no, no, no. We got to do it this way. I'm like, huh? How many, how many times we got to do this? We, we got it. And they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Oh There's no God. one take here. There's no one take here. You know, wow. we, it's it's crazy how much we're prepared for uh, Hollywood and TV shows because we're used to doing everything at the speed of light. Yeah. Did you ever uh, do acting before wrestling? Because your presence in front of the camera and WWE was, and also TNA is very natural. I mean, you can, I can sense a lot of body language from someone who's coming out to the stage. I can tell if they're nervous or if they're apprehensive, but you always had a calming, you know, I know you did your pep talk, like, well, here goes nothing, you know, and and there was a lot of times that, you know, I would sit back there and they're counting you down before you come out and you're, and you're not, you know, especially in a match that I had to do. I'm like, I'm not a wrestler, but here, here it goes. You know, I mean, this is what they want, but you know, it seemed like you're pretty comfortable and, and you do have this body language is very comfortable in front of the camera. I mean, it's, an, 
you know, so I don't, you know, was that something before WWE or you just, you just grasped all of that and ran with it? It's just the way I prepare for everything. Like, um, I'm a student and I go through worst scenarios before I go out there. I always play in my head. What's the worst thing that can happen? And I think of some pretty ridiculous stuff. So, um, and I film study wrestling was easy because not easy. It's not easy at all, but it was easy to relax out there because I had been watching it my entire life. And I wasn't, I had already been wrestling in my backyard and my front yard for years. And I would tell myself the only difference between now and then is I know what I'm doing now, you know, where then, I mean, the neighbors would be driving by looking at why is this kid, got a bathrobe that misspelled wonderful you know what i'm saying like and he's clearly chunky like why is he mr wonderful you know and uh or i'd walk around the neighborhood you know and i'd be at football practice and i would have a loaded elbow you know it was just it was just something that was just a, a way to escape so i just kind of escape when i get in front of the camera because that's what i did when i was a kid like my home life sucked but when we started playing games and we just escaped. We forgot the fact that we were dead broke and mom had to work yeah. 120 hours a week. We just were kids. And wrestling for me was like, I always said the same thing when I, uh, the second time I got released from the WWE, I said, well, it's time to grow up. I got to get a real job. And uh, I just got lucky that TNA called the next day, but, and then tripped and fell on the great Gutfeld show just coming on as a guest, one-time guest. And it just, it, it blew up from there. But it's the same thing where you just, TV and being in front of the camera is a privilege and it's not a punishment. And you have to look at it, you know, like this is a great opportunity and it's the, you get to play Cowboys and, and, and Indians and get paid for it. So <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? I've worked construction. I've worked at Walmart. I've worked in the in car dealership. You know, I've had to scrub floors and I've worked at, I've been fired from Burger King, you know, like <laughs> for not being good enough on the hamburger station. So acting, when I get in front of the camera, like you want me to pretend to be somebody like phenomenal. That's easy. Yeah. Uh, it's the hard work is the guys who have to do it with their hands every day. So right. I, I kind of yeah. kind of look at it for what it is. A lot of times I'll, I'll hear people talk about it's so difficult getting into character and you know, to find my rhythm. And I'm like, bruh, <laughs> you're in an air conditioned trailer with everything written out for you, all you got to do is repeat it for real. That's tough. That's where you're at. Like, yeah. you're like so hard, like for real. So I, I think just the realness of the world, the camera's fun because you get to escape for a little while. Like I, I don't like uh, Brodus Clay never had bad credit. Brodus Clay's never, never had a phone turned off. Brodus Clay never had an extremely angry baby mama calling about late support. So, yeah. you know, his Brodus Clay's life was pretty damn good. So, you know, he's, <laughs> all the time when they'd be like who do I write the check out to not Brodus Clay he doesn't have a bank account so I kind of looked at it like for what it was like yeah back through the curtain that's where I struggled real yeah. life I yeah. struggled but in front of the camera I was great phenomenal uh, but in, uh, when as soon as I go across that thing it's like oh man you know responsibility and yeah uh, real life sets in responsibility and all that stuff and and I'll take him being in front of the camera any day so let, let's talk now, fast forward to um, to the Greg Guffield show, because my household is a big Fox News watcher. And um, to see you on there, I was just, I'm watching you, I'm going, man, how does he do this? Because, I mean, I went from, you know, going against you in dance-offs and then, you know, having this funny guy on the tour. I mean, you're always cracking people up. And then now I see you as this distinguished, you know, political correspondent. I'm like, who is he? Like. Where, where did you, you know, zip the, the mask and it comes off? It's like another layer of onions that comes off of you. <laughs> well, the uh, two people were the biggest influence when in front of, as far as talking in front of the camera. And that was Arn Anderson, as he referred to it, you're pretty good at talking on the can. So <laughs> you should keep doing that. And uh, Dusty Rhodes, the, who I, I still miss to this day, would always tell me, you can talk without thinking and that's worth money. So just go with who you are. And if it fit, if it sounds right, go with it. So it had a lot to do with promos. You want to be the best promo guy. And in promo class, I always uh, dominated. So I was like, 
the Greg Gutfeld show is basically the way it's broke down is I got four promos a night. Like he asked me a question, I cut a promo and then, <laughs> and then I cut a promo and then I wait. Um, and that's easy. And then typically the other pundits, I'll see them with notes and notes and notes and references and personal assistants feeding them stuff. And I'm like, I just watched the news this week. All right, let's do this. Let's go. Because it, to me, it's like competition and it's fun. So, um, but then you learn that there's a responsibility with your words. Uh, unlike wrestling where you're playing a character, I had, had to make the adjustment understanding that I couldn't just sound off on Fox news and just decide to be funny one day and make fun of something. I can still have humor, but it has to be done in a way to where, uh, I'm making a point because we do live in just really divided times and it's so polarized to where if, if you're especially as a minority, as us being leaning Republican, the constant stereotypes is that those that minorities that are Republican are sellouts and hate their own people like that. And that, and when, which is craziness, right? Yeah. But, and that for some reason, the persona of a Republican who wears his hat on backwards, grew up in LA, tells it like it is, and is current, uh, just was never seen before on Fox News. And like, I wouldn't wear a suit and tie. And I wouldn't change who I was. I'm like, listen, this is, I'm just talking in the locker room. And the only thing that I do is I really try to make sure I'm super informed. So I spend hours watching everything like i watch especially people i disagree with um i watch a lot of like don lemon and bill maher and uh rachel maddow i watch them even when i'm like because i find that to get the whole story you got to hear both sides so then when i group when i come to the tv when it's my turn to speak i'm not coming from a biased side i try to come down the middle and sometimes people always don't like to hear what i have to say i don't agree on most of a lot of the things that president Trump's doing. And I've made a lot of jokes in the last week of how he's blowing the lead because yeah. he's, he's trying to beat up. I keep comparing it to the Rocky movie. You're trying to beat him up when you should just be out pointing him. And I saw that. That was funny. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and like, since everyone is so angry about Joe Biden, I made Joe Biden cooler where I was like, come on, man. And I made him more, you know, just messing around because I, you have to, He's, I, I have a lot of respect for Joe Biden. So uh, I think um, we've kind of forgot that. But it's not, politics isn't a religion. You know, we need to remember that. And that it's a difference of opinion. You shouldn't hate somebody because they have a difference of opinion. You know, and so I try to convey that. And I've been told a lot of times that it's hurt me in terms of growth because if I was more one way or the other, I would probably have a lot more of my own shows and things like that because they have a hard time trying to define me like, well, he's kind of in the middle. So where could we put him? You know? And I'm like, yeah, I rather, I sleep better at night and I don't have to worry about going to the grocery store and someone saying something sideways to one of my kids. Cause then uh, it, it's going to be a problem. So yeah. I, I try to think of my kids when I talk on political shows, because people, they're not like we have wrestling fans that carry over, but a lot of people, they, they take these words from pundits as gospel. And I think there's a responsibility so when you, you know, if you know something's BS, to let them know it's BS, you know, not just keep yeah. pushing it because you can score points. I mean, um, I'm still like the other day, that last joke, that night I made the joke about uh, come on, man, on the show and how like, ask me any question, ask me any question, Greg. And he goes, come on, man. I basically just did that thing that The Rock used to do, but it doesn't matter or still probably still does. And um, the president tweeted it. He, he didn't retweet it. I don't even know how he got it. And it's on my Instagram. Like, I'm like, it was up as soon as the show was over. And I was like, how the hell he get it? It's not even <laughs> today. FBI is thorough. They don't play, yeah. you know. Um, so what, what got you into politics too? You know, because you went from an actor to a wrestler. Now, you know, to be a guest on, on the Greg Gutfeld show, it, you know, I'm sure one time it was like, okay, I'll do it. You know, it's fine. Yeah. But, you know, when you start, when they start presenting, you know, this um, ongoing role for you to be on there, was politics something that was involved in your life? Or was it something that you, you had to get on the wagon and start researching because you were, you weren't informed? Because I wasn't informed, say, 
maybe, you know, five, eight years ago, I really wasn't paying attention to the politics and the government because we were, I was in my own little world. But I think after Eddie died and I was raising my kids and, you know, paying the bills solely on me, I started paying attention to how things were affecting me and, you know, um, you know, what was going on in the world, I guess I had more time to, you know, get a, get a drift of what was really happening on the news. Um, you know, was that something that was interesting to you or was it, did it scare you to where you're like, I don't know enough to even think about being on a political show? You know, I think uh, the, the one person who gets the most credit for my political growth uh, would, I have to say is Kane and uh, Daniel Bryant. Because our locker room conversations, uh, Kane was always um, adamant about being fiscally responsible with your money. He was always talking about uh, saving. He was always talking about the political climate. And it became, now I, I followed it loosely because I was in college at political science and all that stuff. And I paid attention to it. And, you know, uh, when Barack Obama was running for president, it was really kind of uh, an eye-opening experience because, mm -hmm. you know, the first black uh, man running for president and that I was like, wow, yeah. so someone like me can be president. So you kind of pay attention to that. Yeah. Uh, but they're, because they're both uh, libertarians. So their arguments would be more important than, than complaining about the scoreboard. So it just kind of turned into where we would have these philosophy sessions in the locker room. Because we didn't have in the girls' room. room. Yeah, you, you guys are vicious. Um, <laughs> our locker room, the, the WWE locker room has changed. You know, attitude error, it was rock and roll. Our error, it was iPads and small businesses, podcasts, and current events. So, you know, you would have Cesaro giving you his 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 input on fiscal responsibility and you know, <laughs> like just a very, a very calm educated you know group in terms of uh, everyone was very and it was not very cutthroat everyone was very supportive of course you want your own individual achievements but you didn't have guys who were like conspiring in the back after each other and um you know we had arguments and jokes and you know certain people always seemed to be the butt of our jokes but uh it was more of a, a harmless banter than like hazing and things like that yeah. but those conversations kind of said then you started research because you wanted to impress uh glenn you know what i'm saying because he's Besides the fact, you know, probably the greatest big man of all time because he just his work rate. I think Undertaker disqualified himself because he's literally on vacation every year. But like once he shows up at WrestleMania, yeah. takes the big check later, Marks. See yeah. you all next year. Um, so you always want to be able to have conversations with him whenever you can sit under the learning tree with him. So he had a lot to do with wanting to be able to come like every Monday in the locker room, whether I had a match or not. I wanted to be able to come with something to rival, you know, whatever they were talking about. So it became very political. And then I started tweeting some stuff. And then that's when Greg Gutfeld uh, asked me to be on the show. And at first, I'll be honest, I thought he was like some creepy white guy trying to get a wrestler to come <laughs> up, like beat him up in his apartment, you know, because you got some weirdos out there. And I'm like, right, you want me to come on your show? Okay, cool. But then when his, you know, his people called and, Fox call with travel. I said, okay, this is legit. This is legit. And uh, I did the first show. Um, and during the commercial, first commercial break, he's like, man, if you lived in New York, I'd have you as a co-host. And I said, hey, that's not happening. Uh, wow. And at the time I was living in Tampa and then he, at the end of the show, he was like, hey, what about once a month? And I said, sure, for real. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm sure he probably says that to everybody. And then sure stuff, it would happen. And then I was working my TNA schedule around my, um, Fox schedule. And then after, uh, what was it about, I'd say eight months of TNA and flying out to the Gutfeld show, which I didn't get paid for the first probably almost year of doing the shows, you know, cause you're a lot of contributors don't get paid. And then, um, basically Fox said, well, how much are you making over there in TNA? And I was like, uh, 150,000 a year. And they're like, okay. I was like, damn it, man. Like, you know, like, damn higher, it. like higher. you know, you know what though? But that's the weakest part of my game. Like John Laronitis would sit you down in that chair and you negotiate for money. And I literally every time would be just such a punk. 
Like I could, if it was for, if I, if you would have came to me and said, Tyrus, I need more money. I could go in that office and be like, she does this. She does this. You give her that money. You know what I'm saying? Like we will protest. You? Me. I needed you. Yeah. But then me, it was like, well, you know, whatever you think, you know, and then, you know, because you just don't rep. I was always horrible. That was the one part that I was never good at was representing myself, you know, like uh, my self-worth apparently was like, you know, and a lot of times, but Laronitis, because he was, he was, uh, he discovered me. He was a little easier to negotiate with, you know, when after some of the changes came, cause I go in there and be like, I'd come out like, I don't even know if I still work here anymore. <laughs> That's how it did that one. You know what I'm saying? Where I was like, should I go? Like, yeah, you should have left two minutes ago. Cool. Thank you for your time. Boy, you know, it just was not going well. So, and then I got smart and I got a, an agent and all that good stuff. And then it just, next thing I know, I got a three-year deal with Fox. And it's like, because I was still trying to balance my wrestling career and the TV and the acting thing, because they're all sporadic. Like if, and I don't know, I mean, AEW's new, but pretty much even New Japan and, and TNA, it's not really a full-time schedule like in no, the WWE. No, we don't have and, one. Yeah, it's once a week. Yeah. yeah. So when you when you do when you're in the WWE, even if your contract says you make seventy thousand a year, right? And then of course you got to minus taxes out of that, so it's more like forty five. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but if you get on house shows, that changes everything, and you can yes. out earn your contract. Y'all or in your downside. So you have the potential in a year or you get in the right feud to make a lot of money. You can make you can go from forty thousand to four hundred thousand in a relatively short amount of time. That's yeah. the beautiful thing about the WWE because they got work basically five days a week. Can you yeah. hang can you hang? Um, the rest of the wrestling world is not like that. You know, so oh, yeah. you are not going to be able to just wrestle. You just can't. If you're not in yeah. the WWE, you just can't. And especially when you have kids and stuff. Um, oh, it's hard. You know, it, it is tough. And then you have to make really tough decisions. And I started missing out on overseas tours because I had to do Fox stuff, you know, because you go, oh, yeah, you go to Qatar for a week and you'll make a good lump of change, but then you don't have another gig for four yeah. months. You know what I'm saying? So it just... And uh, I was lucky that I had a name and there's not many guys my size who move like me and do the things I do. So I was able to make decent money, but it's not consistent, you know? Yeah. So I had to look at, well, let's see what this uh, contributorship thing does and see where it goes with that. Even though every ounce of me was like, I'm not done wrestling. Yet. I want to keep wrestling. But I had kids and bills mm -hmm. and uh, my my wife had dreams and aspirations and me being gone 300 days a year just really wasn't making it, you know, wasn't really making things work. So I had to make some tough decisions. And so I had, I agreed to put wrestling on hiatus and focus on my career at Fox. And, you know, it did, it, it's, it's worked good. out. Yeah. It's well, worked you out. You on yourself and, and you, and the, and everything was for you. So I think that's a great, you believed in yourself so much that everything worked. And I think that's, where I see the inspiration. I just love how you're just doing all these projects. And the more I see my friends succeeding, I'm like, I want that. That's what I want too. So it's good to have, that's why I have people like you on my show and your wife, because when y'all are succeeding, it gets my blood going too. And I think that we just kind of feed off each other's energy. Because it's also important, like no delusions of grandeur. I was a solid mid card guy in the WWE. Although I felt that I, I was just waiting for my opportunity to go one-on-one -on -one with Cena or Undertaker, you know, just, or Brock waiting for that opportunity. And sometimes you're so good at one thing. That's just, you open the damn show and that's what they have you do. And that's where your line is. And even though you don't like it. So when you get, when they let you go, if you're not the rock or Cena or someone who was at a high level, even, and I love Phil CM Punk, the world, unless you have an, a name and their film careers were launched by the WWE and they had all the support in the world and they were the top guys and they were yeah. world heavyweight champion and they had a huge following. A lot of us aren't in that position. So to be that guy who then now is becoming a household name on a different network and has higher ratings, it's like a, it's like saying, see, any one of us 
can do it. So yeah. when I see Swagger coming on, because I've had like some guys on the show, like uh, uh, Swagger did uh, some shows with me on Fox, and Dolph is literally oh. uh, <coughs> doing the damn thing, you know. Pick me, pick me. I'm a you are, conservative. <laughs> yes, no, but I'm saying like the opportunity. If I'm doing it, every every network is like we need to get one of those. Like I don't like there was a like yeah. two. CNN like had a guy with a chain on for a couple of weeks and it was like, but it just didn't work. It's filtered, it's filtered over to sports. Now Kendrick Perkins is on TV. Like you wouldn't, you know what I'm saying? I see all of a sudden everybody wants a big guy. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Some of y'all owe me some checks. But the, yeah, right. the point is, is that when other wrestlers are, whether it's by their choice and the WWE decides to move on from them, it's not over. You have the skill set. Even if you weren't pushed to the moon, you still did. It was actually, I think it was tougher to go out and put guys over every night than to be the champ and, and get all the spoils because you had to bring it every night and make somebody else look good. And that is a great skill. And you should be able to use those yeah. as a launching pad when you get out from the WWE or wherever you're at. And uh, I think I've kind of led the charge on that in you terms have. of mainstream is wide open. And, and it's up to you. I mean, it's up to us to get out of bed, walk in and make the work happen. You know, we're just going to sit back and wait for phone calls. That's not going to how it's going to happen either. No. Or if you're just waiting for the, the, the WWE to call you back, because we've seen that we've yeah. seen, we've seen that we've seen guys <laughs> you know, and then you get that horrible feeling when we're backstage and we see the guy who was released a year ago, He's backstage politely waiting for Triple H or someone to walk by to say, may I have a dark match, please? You know, or like, hey, you, you know, I have my job. I need a job. Can I have some help? And you know they got a million things going on. And they it's not that they mean to be, but it's a heartless business. It, it is what it is. It's entertaining. Yeah, it is. You can love wrestling all you want. Wrestling's never going to love you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to use right. your profile and spit you back. So you don't want to be that guy who's his only hope is that he'll catch a producer on a good day and he can get a few more matches in the sun before they realize yeah. why you go in the first place. You know, yeah. so it's very important that we realize the wrestlers and realize how talented they are because yeah. we're all capable of doing a lot of great things. And it's different now. I mean, there was a time when a wrestler was like maybe this much higher than a porn star, you just didn't, you know, didn't get the respect that, yeah. you, you, you know, like a wrestler. Oh no, no, they can't. I literally was auditioned. You know, are you sure you're a wrestler? Cause wrestlers can't act. They overdo everything. I said, obviously you saw a lot of Hulk Hogan promos. <laughs> yeah. He overdid it. He, he was a Hulk maniac. It was a different time. No, but we, we all no, don't, no. we don't yell anymore, sir. We don't, we don't do that anymore. We don't yell. It's actually let, found. Let me ask you a question. You brought up something earlier in our conversation. So with me being a female conservative, I watch Fox and I also watch other, you know, networks like CNN, because you talk about, you, you have to know both sides in order to have a conversation. And I think that's so important. And it's really funny because a lot of my friends and family close family, um, we, it's always one-sided. Well, this is how I'm going to think, and I'm not going to listen to your views. And I think that's so unfair because every story has two sides. So let me ask your opinion, because Fox always had, Fox News always has the, a representative from the Democratic Party that, that they allow them to ask questions, which I think is very, um, ironic and, and very noble of them because they do get the two sides on their show. But you look at MSNBC or, or Headline News or CNN, and it's only the Democratic view. Can you explain, can you explain how is it that that is so unfair to having their side listen to what we feel are the issues that are important to us? Because I get pretty pissed off by eight o'clock in the morning. I'm like, where is our side to be heard? Uh, right. You know, on their views. I mean, that I, maybe I wouldn't make a good correspondent because I probably end up yelling at everyone. No, <laughs> no. But here's here's the thing. Um, unfortunately, news is confusing now. We don't know who's telling the news and who's giving opinion. It used to be when Walter Cronkite came on, 
in a very monotone voice, this is the news, and he would read stories. Yeah. And if you were a child in the room, you would fall asleep. <laughs> so you didn't want to watch the news, but it was no emotion and never his opinion. Then a guy would come on and would start spouting off, and while he was talking, it would say, editorial. His views do not reflect this network. Blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Right? So you knew this guy was giving your opinion. What correspondents do is they tell you what they saw and then they explain it to you. You are seeing the same thing that they saw, so you don't really need them to explain it to you. Like having a room full of people tell you what they saw when you saw the same thing is illiterate, but whatever, yeah. the pain. I make fun of that, so I feel like I get a pass. Yeah. So what ends up happening is we get looped into a show, Let's and let's just, I always tell it like it is, Let's take Don Lemon, for example. Don Lemon is passed off as a news anchor. He's giving you the news, but he's not. He's giving you his opinion. Anyone who watches for 30 seconds knows that Don Lemon does not care for President Trump. He does yeah. not care for the Just Republican. Just a scotch. So all his guests that he has on are there to support his idea and his right. opinion. Sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong, but it's his opinion. So that show is not newsworthy in the sense of to get non-biased information. Right. Just like Sean Hannity, same thing. He is extremely supportive of President Trump and will argue anyone who differs right. with him. The difference is Sean Hannity, you know, is an opinion show. Right. Don Lemon has passed off as news. So there's not a clear, like when I think of news people, I think of Dana Perino. I think of- uh, Love Chris her, Walker, love her. <laughs> Those are news people. They, yeah. you don't always, if you agree with everything they say, they're not a news person. Right. And Wallace will challenge you. And Wallace will challenge the president. That's his job as a journalist. There is a difference between opinions. So on an opinion show, they're not going to have a Juan Williams, who's the bravest, toughest man in TV today, because he walks in on the five knowing he's outgunned and they're coming <laughs> for him. And every time I do the five, I always say, Juan, thank you for being here. I can do what you do. Now, thank you for being you, because you are the toughest man that I've ever met, because he comes to work every day knowing He's going to get, he's literally the SD special delivery Jones of the <laughs> new world. He gets an entrance. Everyone's happy to see him. And then he's got a job out, you know, <laughs> like that's what SD did. Like, you know, he was above, he wasn't like a regular enhancement guy. Like, you know, he got a little shine in there and then yeah. there lights out. It's over, but he's a journalist. And so he's going to give you his journalistic opinion on the five. It's still an opinion show, but they have opinions from different sides. Whereas like yeah. a, a Dan Reno is a news person. Waters is a Trump guy. So they're gonna have differences of opinion. When I'm on there, I'm a middle of the road guy. So you get differences of opinions. The difference I'm seeing on CNN, now they have Rick Satorum and he just gets hammered on the big political, on the Wolf Blitzer will bring in a Republican strategist, but there won't mm -hmm. be enough to where they make enough noise. It's one guy who gets beat up on by like six, six others we have one show like that which is the five cnn's pretty much every panel they have if there is one republican he's one not there very long or he's yeah. he's villainized he's attacked he's made to look like he's a liar and that he's a he's a henchman for yeah. the president where Juan isn't made to look like a henchman Juan looks like we just don't agree with your opinion you know or whatever the case may be but I think that's the biggest thing. Once news became about ratings, we've lost news. When headlines are the only thing that gets read, if you have a salacious headline, but the story is completely opposite of what the headline reads, it's hard to communicate with everybody because they're like, oh, he did this. And then you read the story, he didn't. But they just, they need the ratings. So yeah. CNN needs the ratings. Fox needs the ratings. The only difference is I would I would argue that Fox has a clearer line of what's opinion and what's news. Yes. Tucker Carlson is opinion. Chris Wallace, Brett Baer, news. Yeah. You know, so that's that's the, the big difference. And that's why it can be frustrating when you'll see this whole panel and realize that it is just a Democratic complaint session show 
opposed yeah. to a news show where the host is the mediator. Because if Don Lemon was the mediator, he wouldn't have opinion either way. So that's that's why you're seeing what you see, and it's very frustrating it because frustrating. CNN, CNN is pushing it as news. It's not news; it's his opinion, and we all have two of them. So, yeah. you know, that's that's the problem. And, that's and I the wish problem. I wish I would see like Good Morning America, you know, or Today Show that would have two sides of the story because a lot of you know I I think about George Stephanopoulos and. I call him George Stephanopoulos because I get so irritated with him. But, you know, you always hear about, you know, what Trump's doing wrong. And I don't agree with a lot of things that how Trump acts as a person. I think he could be more professional on some of the topics that he talks about. But, you know, the idea that I just want to see both sides represented. I think that would be such a, a clear vision for people, especially during the election right now, that they would be able to hear both sides in that same interview instead of, bashing Trump all the time, because, you know, I think that that's just where everyone's so radical one way or the other, because they're only hearing one side, they don't like that side, they go somewhere else to, to listen to that point of view that they agree with. And I just wish that media outlets, local news, even, you know, like, um, national news, like Good Morning America, or, or Today Show, would have both sides represented. And that's just, that's my gripe for the day. <laughs> Well, some of that is uh, the nature of the beast that is Trump. President Trump is a reality TV star, and he's about ratings. And if you mention his name or attack him, there's a good chance he's going to find out about it and fire back on you. And then when you get into an exchange with the president of the United States, people are going to tune in and watch. Yeah. So going after him every night to get a reaction out of him because it's going to, people are going to turn into your TV show because the president is, you know, he's giving into it. You know, they throw yeah. shots at him and then he tweets about them and tell them that they're terrible and they have very poor ratings. Well, their ratings just went up. So as long yeah. as he continues to do that, everybody Good. wants to be the main event. You know, <laughs> if, if all it took was Cena walking by me going, I see you, that's it, in the ring, two minutes, main event, you and me, steel cage. Is it a shoot, bro? Cool. See you out there. Only if it's main event, though, I'll be out there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? More. If, and that's what happens. Trump's the President Trump is the main event. He is the most, he's the easiest president to get to in terms of speaking. He like, fights back. You have an idea, but even the, the all we hear about is the negative stuff. But if you have an idea, if you have uh, Kanye West had one to talk about prison, and he gave him the meeting. That's not happening the other way. Um, certain groups want to talk about early release or, or the, the prison program, and if he'll he'll meet with them. If it's good for him, he'll meet with them. Yeah. Ice told the whole stuff out there, and I went off on Twitter about people referring to Ice Cube as a sellout. I'm like, did you forget the NWA? Do you not realize that this dude's been doing it his way the whole time, and the whole point of talking with someone you disagree with and quite frankly dislike immensely anyone yeah. who listens to his last album and i'm a diehard cube fan um knows that how he feels about president trump and uh the fact that he, the platinum plan he was advising because it was about what the plan was and how it was going to help minorities and how it was going to help the black community and cube said i don't give a damn who if it's right. helping the people i will i'm all ears and that's the sign of growth, wisdom, and maturity to come across differences of opinion or right. you just like each other, but there's a common good involved. You squash the stuff and you figure it out. Then while you're doing that, understandings happen. We get educated by each other. We learn something. Maybe we clear up a blind spot we had. That's how change is made. And for someone to call him a sellout, and I like fell out laughing because I was like, D.L. Hughley's calling Ice Cube a sellout? Yeah. How many DMs have you sent Ice Cube to be in one of his movies, bro? Like, you know, <laughs> like keep it real. That's so you know? true. That's true. You think about the things that Ice Cube has done. He started that three-on-three -three league, which basically has given former athletes a chance at greatness again and a paycheck. You know, he's done so many things in his community. He makes his own movies, his own production company. He's literally his own. He's literally written the blue book of how to do it your own way. 
I mean, he was literally in NWA. He was featuring Ice Cube because he wouldn't sign with the record labels because he was the only one smart enough to know this wasn't good enough for, for him. It was dangerous to sign with them. And he was so talented, they could not get rid of him. You know, like, and then the fact you're dissing him, have you not heard No Vaseline or King of the Hill? Like, I can't wait for this diss album to come out. But yeah. that's just the point of where we're at right now, that yeah. these so-called liberals aren't really liberal. They're hypocrites because they don't want understanding and they want division. They thrive yeah. on it. They need something yeah. to complain about it. And it's always been blamed on the right. And of course, right, we have our idiots. Boy, but... It, both sides are wrong left. and right. I mean, there's there's good and bad on both sides. Yeah, but it's not even about the size. It's just some people, people are just... Some people are greedy and they're just, they use politics as an excuse to attack people. Like we had yeah. mentioned DL's Ugly since we were asking, why is he on the King of Comedy, you know, tour? I get Bernie, I get, you know, Sid the Entertainer, Steve Harvey even, but what? But whatever, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and for him to dissing him was just crazy to me. I just like, wow, that's where we're at right now. When someone's doing something that we should be applauding him for, they're being attacked. And that's where, that's the, what, Division is being sparked on both sides because it's more money or more attention if you're there, everyone's fighting. And that's that's the that's the part. I just won't participate in it. I'm not yeah. gonna argue man over politics I have no control of. I just I ain't got time for it. I got I got real stuff going on. Like I gotta get the trash out and the kids in bed. I don't have time I know. for <laughs> I didn't hey, you me... over policies I don't know nothing about. I know. Let's let's um, answer some questions. Um, I know I, I didn't mean taking much of your time, but you're you're such you're so. I'm just so honored to have you on my show. I, I really missed how funny you are, and just reminded me of the good times that we had back back in the good well, old days. You would be sitting there with me and TJ criticizing everybody's matches on on a TV like, ooh, I don't know if I would have done that. Like, I think Titus O'Neill was the most enjoyment we ever had watching him go out. <laughs> Like, and he only got better after we left. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the thing, though. You couldn't – here's the thing, not, the reason why I love Titus so much is I appreciated him after I wasn't working with him anymore because yeah. he was never phased by any damn thing. He want to walk up and hug this man, he going to do it. He's yeah. going to go up to Undertaker and say, why you got an accent? He's going to do it, you know. <laughs> That's just who he was. You and know? we and got I, to watch. <laughs> oh, yeah. this is going to be good. We, we got our back, popcorn. Like, <laughs> thinking like, wow, but you know what? Good oh my him. gosh this is funny okay so you have a fan his name is todd service and he wants to know uh tyrus you're doing such a great job on fox news any aspirations to get into politics in the future so every once in a while i get this thing because i'm all, i hate that we don't have term limits and i hate that we don't have qualified immunity i i hate the fact that politicians can make decisions that ruins people's life and they're not held accountable. And, you know, when I, especially during the riots when a certain mayor pulled police away from the mall that was going to be burned down to guard his house. So I feel like he is responsible for everything that happened that day. But qualified immunity means he's not. And term limits, if we got these old senators out, we wouldn't have the drama that we're having right now with the Supreme Court case because we wouldn't have Mitch McConnell's drama that he started when President Trump wasn't even in office. And how now, long has Pelosi been in office? Like, what, 55 Pelosi, years? all of them. There's one guy on there who's, I mean, literally, the Senate is the only job in the world that you can die in. Literally, right. in the day. like, yeah. and then he'll ask you to vote. Like, he's gone, sir. Like, <laughs> like, oh, you imagine I know we still got Ric Flair walking around, but, I mean, could you imagine in wrestling if you straight had to be wheeled out in a chair, rolled in the ring? So you can stand up and point and fall flat on your face and expect the crowd to cheer? No. Like, yeah. I'm not saying it just because you're old, you can't do it. But there comes a point. Like, perfect example, I love Mr. McCain. I think I met him a couple times. I thought he was a great man. He was a war hero. I thought he stayed too long in, in office. He's battling, I believe it was a brain tumor at the very end, and he's still having to go in. And I feel like that's – there comes a point where every great champion has to be told it's over. And I think yeah. the Senate and the House need that. There needs to be tournaments. Yeah. I think I you should have a career in politics. So I would only run for Senate. And my only thing I would do in office would be literally 
every week they'd be like, oh, here comes Tyrus again. Point of order, term limits. Let's vote. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think won, that's great. If you won, if you won the 55 every week, but I would literally come up and do it so often that the American people would be like, you know what? He's right. We need to, your rating, sir, is 22%. <laughs> you realize that in any other situation, you would be fired. If, if only, uh, put example, when Raw, we'd be on Raw, we'd have 4 million people watching. When I came out and only 22% of that 4 million people didn't change the channel, I wouldn't even finish my match. John Cohen would be like, go home, go home. You can hear the clicks. You can literally hear the clicks across America going, oh, fuck the source, turn that shit off. Like, I would have been fired. Like, I would have walked through that thing and security been been waiting for me with my bag going, this way, please. Can I get changed? Not here. You can't get changed here. No, you can get changed in the parking lot. Like, it, oh my god! Literally, because that's what—that's how bad they are. Twenty-two yeah. percent approval, and that's being nice. So we need term limits. So the answer is, uh, I would run for Senate one hundred percent for no other reason than to get some damn term limits in there and get some of these career guys out of there. And I also would vote down that we—you shouldn't get health insurance if you're on the Senate. If America doesn't have free health care, the Senate shouldn't either. Wow. You got jobs. I, they got here's the deal. How's a job that only pays two hundred thousand a year or something like that? And you got two mansions, sir. Like with walls, I would with walls. That. And yeah. walls. And that's and that's the most conservative guy uh who's like all about socialism. Bernie Sanders got two mansions. Did you donate to that to the group? Was that auctioned off and equally distributed to your neighborhood? No, it wasn't, yeah. wasn't it? So um the hypocrisy in the Senate, that's why I would run for senator. I can do it in amazing. Louisiana or California. I'm marinating. I'm looking forward to that one. You know, so. Uh, all right, here's another one from Shiggy Happy Fun. That's the wow. name. Um, can you ask Tyrus what it's like working with Kate Timp and if he has any funny stories from working on the Greg Guffield show? You have a lot of political followers. Yeah, they're, 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 they're kind of meshed together. Yeah. Um, the height between me and Greg is so ridiculous that he will never stand next to me or around <laughs> me. And uh, it's it's pretty awkward sometimes in the green room to where he only stands by like and Dana Perino because they're all right around the same height. And then there's, <laughs> there's me. So uh, the the size between us is, is ridiculous, but the, we got great chemistry, so. That's awesome. Are y'all pranksters backstage? No, I mean, I'm, I'm just sarcastic and I pick, you know, you know how we like mess with new guys and stuff. Like, were you supposed to be over there? What are you doing? Why are we doing that? You know, or I'll act like I'm in my zone. And then one of the producers will come up to me and be like, second. I'm like, I'm in my zone right now. What, what's going on? What did you mean? <laughs> you know, like, uh, I made it, I asked for an orange soda and that's the only thing I asked for like in the green room. And if my orange soda's missing, I go through, I do a Booker T over a Red Bull. How, come on, man. Like, where's my, where's my, where's my orange soda? Who took my soda, dog? Was it you, Armstrong? Who took my, I don't know if you remember oh Booker God. T with his Red Bull. Woo, don't touch his oh, Red Bull. Oh, I know. Wasn't there a time that someone stole his Red Bull? Like in the, man. you know, in Gorilla, we had like those ice bucket trash cans. And no, it was a new guy, a new kid who didn't know. He was on the road for the first time. He was like, oh, Red Bull, click. <laughs> Booker came in there and he was like, come on, dog. Who touched my Red Bull, dog? That's all I asked for. And the kid had it in his hands shaking. And I just remember going, mm, mm, mm. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Well, time to go. Let's go. Yeah. Everybody out the locker room. This is going to be rough. Like, uh, oh, like, my gosh. All right. So we're going to do Bull. <laughs> We're going to do a speed round, which your wife did very well. I mean, she's on her shit. I mean, her mind was clicking. So we're going to see how fast you can answer these, okay? Okay. All right. Country music or rock music? Rock music. Biggest pet peeve? Uh, what about isms? Uh, Mufasa or Scar? Scar. Is double dipping acceptable? Never. Would you rather talk or text? Talk. I'd say neither for you, Tyrus. Okay. Uh, say a word in Japanese. Sushi. <laughs> That's not even a word it's in Japanese. 
Yeah. Sushi. 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 <laughs> All right, and well, who was your first celebrity crush? Holly Berry. Nice. Oh, you passed my test. Very nice. Tyrus, where can we look forward to seeing you more? Are you are you working on any movie projects? I know COVID's going on I right now, but finished my first uh, comedy with uh, John Snyder. It's a remake of Smokey and the Bandit called Stand on It. Uh, we just finished that. And I am playing Clarence T. Necessary, who is the distant cousin of Buford T. Justice. Um, Congratulations. I am, yeah, I am playing a racist black man. Basically the same guy as Buford T. Justice, except he's black. So it's it's a lot of fun. Um, oh, my gosh. Congratulations. That's coming out soon. And I have stuff on my Instagram on highlights and stuff like that. Um, and of course, the Great Gutfield Show and Tyrus and Tim podcast. And uh, I'm working on a solo project right now with podcasts. And uh, my Nuff Said show, because of COVID, we kind of stopped filming because I travel. I think that's going to start up probably uh, in the new year, hopefully, once things get a little safer out there. And so, um, you know, and my Instagram is uh, at Tyrus Smash. And then my Twitter is Planet Tyrus, where you can check me out. So uh, well, I'm around. Tyrus, I'm so proud of your success, and I'm so honored to have you share an hour of your day on your busy schedule. And I love your family to pieces, and I'm just, um, I'm just grateful to call you my friend. And anytime you need to hook a sister up, you got my, you got my email. Hey, you ever want to use it? Now I got. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to uh, put you up as a guest because I think you would, I think you would bring something. And I have very rarely asked. Uh, to bring guests on the Greg Gutfeld show. So maybe you give me one, but I think, especially the election time, um, we need more uh, strong women to voice some stuff besides us guys sitting around just running their mouth. And plus I need someone to give Kat a run for her money. So, uh, uh, <laughs> But you know what? I just, um, I'm just, I love your Instagram and I'm so proud that you and Ingrid are working together in the Sensible Meals. I love yeah, them. That is a tough challenge. Like I had no idea how hard she worked. And uh, all it's the things. Big, it's a big project. And losing weight is tough. You know, uh, I lost uh, 100 principal meals. And uh, the only reason why I'm even thinking about a comeback in the ring is because I'm slow and training like a fool <laughs> and eating right, you know, because I'm like, I, I got at least one more year left in me before I hang up my boots entirely. But uh, I wouldn't be doing any of that without sensible meals. So, you know, if you guys are looking to make a change, only if you're ready. Because uh, I'm in charge of getting your food made for you, but uh, you can check us out on the, at Sensible Meals uh, on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, they have a website. I think it's uh, at Sensible Meals. But just check it out, and uh, it's a good way to lose weight, smart yeah. way. Tyrus, I I I just um, God bless you, and I'm so proud of you. And thank you for making me laugh on my show. And I know my followers are gonna love this episode. So thank you again. Well, thank you. Anytime, anytime you need me, I'm happy to come back. Well, thank you, and have a great day, and give my love to your family, okay? I sure will. Thank you so much. All right. Bye, Taurus. Bye. All right, everyone. Thank you for uh, tuning into this episode. Thank you so much to Tyrus Mash for sharing his busy schedule with us today. Please check him out on Fox News as a political correspondent. Check him out on the Greg Guffield Show. It's a funny show. There's a lot of comedy, but more seriously, they're trying to give everyone the facts about um, whether you're Republican or Democrat. Listen to both sides, figure out the facts, and make your opinion. Also, uh, check out uh, Sensible Meals. I'm on the program. My husband's on the program. It's a great way to lose weight. So go to um, eatsensiblemeals.com. Look at their a delicious menu. And thanks, guys, so much for, um, for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you next week on another episode of the Excuse Me Podcast. Excuse me!